Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Bill's defensive end, Greg Russo, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills Mafia, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. I am your host, Nate, and this episode is brought to you by the Twin Spire Sportsbook at the DeLago Resort and Casino. We're going to discuss the Bills win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. We're going to give our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our sweet sassy molassy plays of the game, and our Wall of Fame and Wall of Shame winners for this last week. Um... Uh, I'm joined by my, we're going to do a, a weekly giveaway too. We're going to do that as well. But um, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. And fellas, it's been a couple of days since this game. Uh, specifically, um, it's it's funny. Uh, I was at the game, so I didn't really keep any notes whatsoever on the game. But I have a decent idea of what happened at that game. It was a beautiful night. Beautiful night for the game. Um, it's like 65 degrees, you know, end of October. You can't can't get much better than that. Um, it wasn't wet. It wasn't that windy. Um, it was a nice night for football. It was cool tailgating because, I mean, it was just so nice. Like you're wearing a t-shirt, it, whereas like two weeks ago, it was like in the 40s, right? Like you're just, this is, this is amazing. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, with the vantage point of going to the game, it's not nearly as good as watching it at home. Um, I'm sure I missed a few things, but we're going to go over a lot of different things having to do with, you know, the win, things that we liked, things that we didn't like and so on and fo- so forth. So um, obviously this was a stress-free Sunday for all of us because you just, it didn't matter. It was nice. You were like, Hey, what can I do today? What can I get done today? As much as I complain about, you know, primetime games and stuff like that, you know, like I didn't get home to Rochester until two in the morning after the game. Um, so that was annoying, but like then Sunday's free. Like I, I just checked the scores on my phone and that was about it. Got stuff done. So, uh, John, John, I'll start with you. Uh, a pretty easygoing Sunday. So, I mean, how are you feeling after the bills, uh, win and going to five and three? Feeling great. Uh, I feel like the offense started to wake up a little bit. Um, especially early in the game, passing the ball to Kincaid and Shakir and Gabe Davis, I think made a huge difference. Um, they were all heavily involved and, and Diggs was too. Um, but I think having all those guys involved and I think going back to more 11 personnel and even at times four wide, four wide receivers was great. 
I don't know if they should go back to two tight ends. That's, I mean, it was one game. But we were all speculating on this anyway before the game. So I thought that was really good. I thought um, Allen um, was much quicker to throw the ball on every play than he had been the rest earlier this year. That was really good. Um, there was more yards after catch. Um, everything was great. A um, couple things I didn't like. When it's short to goal, short to go on third or fourth down, especially on goal situations, the shotgun, I, I, I still don't like that. And then more importantly in this particular game, there was like th- three fourth, th- fourth and short plays. The w- one was late in the game, but like two in particular earlier in the game where they should have just gone for it instead of punt. I get, I get Sam Barton was awesome and they pin him back, but like they go for it in any of those situations, they get the field goal at a minimum and the game's put away. They don't have to worry about this Hail Mary thing at the end of the game. So that's my only gripe. I, I think like, I don't know if we're doing well, shame, but like McDermott, right? Those decisions I did not like at all. But I love what they did in offense. They kind of fizzled late on offense, but maybe part of that was because they weren't going for those those types of plays. Um, but I think they're going in the right direction now on offense if they continue that. Yeah, you hit on a lot of things, John. Mike, do you want to um, comment on any of those before I do? We're also joined by their co-host, Mike. So so I, I love what you said about the Bills spreading Josh Allen, the offense finally getting going early, Stop, stopping their trend of like really slow starts during the last few games and coming out hot. Um, there was that early, uh, really, you know, bad interception um, that Josh Allen threw that was tipped up in the air and then it ended up turning into a, a Bucks touchdown. Obviously, not a fan of that. Um, that was probably one of his few mistakes on the night. He didn't have a whole lot of mistakes. Uh, I thought it was nice to see him have a few designed runs. It was like, okay, you know, we, we hear what's going on. We're going to make some adjustments. And they did that. They didn't rely on Diggs, Like you said, Khalil Shakir was a bill's leading receiver and then Gabe Davis and then Stefan Diggs, and then Kincaid. So like Kincaid had a great game as well. Um, I argue this was one of his breakout games. He scored his first career touchdown. Um, and I don't know if that was just them scheming up, you know, these guys to, to pass the ball more. And maybe it was just Dawson Knox was out of the picture. So it allowed, I definitely allowed Khalil Shakir to get involved more. I mean, I, I don't think we can disagree on that. I think that's, that's, and we've been hoping that he finally would get some playing time since last season when he broke out against the Steelers. And then over training camp, you know, he was kind of falling behind Hardy and Sherfield and he just never made it up to that level. And he proved again in the game that, you know, he should be six targets, six receptions for 92 yards. I mean, he looked good. Um, out there, um, yeah, and it's, really, it's frustrating too because they, Shakir hasn't had the chance to develop, and they brought in Hardy and Sherfield, but they haven't done anything because they've been running this twelve personnel, which hasn't been working. So yeah. now that so like Knox is hurt, right? So like, is that is that a blessing in disguise? Are they going to get themselves right sooner than later because of that and 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 fix the scheme? The only problem is when he comes back. If things have been working, what are they going to do? Like, and especially if Kincaid is blossoming, right? Like, it, the trade deadline is is in a few days, so like they can't, they can't trade, can, they can't trade Knox, especially when he's hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that's gonna. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like, what do they do? I, I I'd like to think that they would, you know, go with whatever's working for them now. And if it's not Dawson Knox, then um, 
you know, it makes me feel good because Gabe Davis had a, had a really good game as well. I mean, there, there's just, there's talent there on this team. These young guys are stepping up left and right. I mean, Khalil Shakir is in his second year, but he got very limited playing time as a, as a rookie. Um, and now he's like Dawson or I'm sorry, Dalton Kincaid, you know, another great game, younger guy, you know, Osiris Torrance, which we talked about Terrell Bernard again, like younger guys are making an impact left and right. Um, and the bills are finally giving them, you know, they're actually giving them a little bit of a leash more so than they would have before. But, and that makes you feel better about, cause like there's been a lot of questions last year or two about like being and like hits and misses and draft and are they going to be able to sustain this? And like, Maybe they are hitting on draft picks, and we're just they just haven't been playing them as much because they yeah. rely on the veterans more, right? Like, yeah, you can't tell if you hit on these draft picks or not if they're not playing, right? Like we know for a fa- like, yeah, it's like Khalil Shakir question mark. So then you kind of assume he's not until you prove he is a hit, right? Like it's kind of the way it goes. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts on that win in general, and did you see it a similar way? I I didn't like the penalties. I don't know if you were going to bring that up, Mike, but I didn't like the Bills that were again really heavily penalized this was a game i thought that they that they were winning they should have won by a lot more but uh, several things went the buccaneers way that the bills were at fault for um if they played a better team they don't win that game necessarily but uh i think this is a step in the right direction what do you think mike yeah i was real excited to have them win that game it it felt like a dominant performance until the fourth quarter. And part of me thinks like it was incredibly fluky, right? Like, I don't know if I've watched a lot of football. I've never seen um, a team score eight points where the touchdown was a tip ball and the two point conversion was a tip ball. So it's like, on one hand, that'll never happen again. And and the penalties to even let the bucks get in that position to score. But on the other hand, for the bills to be so dominant and then to it come down to a hail mary which when you're watching it on tv you're like oh my gosh like that should have been caught the Bills should have lost that game (laughs) uh i guess i'm there's still an interesting like at the end of the day a win is a win we saw kansas city lose today we saw um just week in and week out if good teams lose to bad teams all the time so the fact that the Bills got out of like won the game. Moving on is I'm happy. I I had an awesome time watching it. So I can't imagine you being there. The weather and the atmosphere that was, must have been great. But uh, it's an interesting dichotomy for me when you really analyze it. I, I how good are they? When you brought up last week specifically, Mike, you said uh, maybe we it's not that this team is worse or whatever. It's just that we need to readjust our expectations of this team and like the way that they're going to win games. And I think this was a perfect example of that because this is a team they could have potentially blown out by 20 or more points based on how well they were doing on offense, how well the defense was doing, but the way that the penalties were going, the tip balls, like everything's kept going in the Bucks' favor um, in a lot of different areas, like there were some ticky tack, you know, penalties that were called against the Bills. Like, and in that touchdown drive that you mentioned, Mike, there were two fourth down conversions or fourth downs that were stopped by the Bills' defense, but were negated by penalties to keep the drive going. And not only that, it was the tip ball in the end zone to actually score against the Bills. And then not only that, it was a tip ball to get the two point conversion. And like, to, for it to come down to that last play, you're right. Like, they could have, they could have won that game. Um, but I think I've adjusted my expectations as a Bills fan based on, you know, kind of our conversation last week. Like there's so many things going 
against this team this season, like with the injuries and whatnot. I mean, Josh Allen is banged up. Like his shoulder is still an issue. Uh, maybe not a terrible issue. Maybe it's maybe he's 70, 80% of what he normally is, but still not 100% Josh it Allen. It doesn't look like it's an issue. I mean, after it supposedly got injured, he threw himself with that shoulder into that linebacker a few weeks ago. And that, like, why would you do that if it was injured, right? Well, that might have just been a dumb play. <laughs> Maybe he should have done that. And there's no wincing but, or anything when he did it. He just, like... <laughs> I saw a play, though, last week where he went into the medical tent this week, correct? Against the Bucks, I believe he did for his shoulder, and then he came back out. He didn't stay in long, and he finished the game. But, I mean, the injuries, Josh Allen, I mean, there's just a lot of things going in the wrong direction for this team that you can't expect them to blow teams out like they did in the beginning of the season against the Raiders, against the commanders, against the dolphins necessarily. Um, so I'm just happy at this point, And maybe that my expectations are too low, but you said the chiefs lost. Um, so like it mirrors a lot of what happened last year, right? They came out, they, you know, dominated all these teams, like the Rams, the Titans, all these teams that were good the year before. Right. Uh, and then like they, live the rest of the season winning by the skin of their teeth and nobody thought any better because they only lost three games the whole regular season last year it's very similar to that i think you know john you mentioned something interesting about the injury to dawson knox potentially leading to some of the success on offense like that that kind of reminds me of remember in 2021 when they got really really hot heading into the playoffs they were only like 11 and 5 that season or yeah, eleven and five that season. But then they had the perfect game against the Patriots, and they had the really good game against the Chiefs. Obviously, and it didn't end up working out in their favor. But one thing that made me think of what you were saying is that I think a good reason, a part of that success was there was better blocking for Josh Allen, and it started with Ryan Bates getting that job at guard, only because so many guys had gone out for injury. Like I think Botker was out, I think Daryl Williams was hurt, or whatever. Like they finally had a combination, and then all of a sudden, like Josh Allen had time to throw the ball. They were running the ball at the middle all of a sudden, and it led to their really a lot of their success. Now I can't just you know point it to one person, but that was something that helped them a lot in that stretch was both of those things. So maybe this is one of those things where Dawson Knox's injury um, maybe leads to more success with this offense. Maybe they start to hit their stride. Maybe they start to figure things out so they can get hot in time for the postseason. Yeah. I mean, it's it's strange to think about because Knox is actually a a pretty decent blocker where Kincaid hasn't been that good and Cook has been inconsistent, right? So you're... Factoring all those things in, and maybe it's going to be worse for for blocking. But this particular game, Allen was much quicker throwing the ball than he had been any other game this season. And I don't know if it was designed that way, but it seemed like it because it was very consistently he was getting the ball really quick. And the couple times he didn't, strangely enough, the pass protection held up. Uh, so I mean, I don't know if that that part of it was luck or not, but was interesting yeah for sure it was a it was a it was a good game you know again can't expect it to be absolutely perfect but i mean at this point like i said i'm just happy to get out with a win um i saw an interesting stat from ted win from uh the athletic he says the bill success rate on no huddle plays was 65 percent against the buccaneers 20 plays and this kind of leads into what you were just saying, John. It made me think of it because you say he was getting the ball out quickly, but they're also running plays quicker too. So they were six they had sixty five percent success rate on no huddle plays. To put that in perspective, 
50% is elite. So it will be interesting to see if they keep using tempo moving forward. I mean, how can they not use that as part of their offense from now on, right? Like the cake on offense, basically, right? They're the people that do it. Remember during the drought, I don't even remember who the coach, the quarterback was at the time, but at some point during the drought, they're like, oh, we're going to run no huddle, just like we did back in the 90s. And then, of course, it didn't work <laughs> because <laughs> they sucked. <laughs> but <laughs> but they now they're good. So, like, they could actually probably do that. Yeah, they could actually. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, was like. And it let's... showed. And it showed, right? The up tempo was really no huddle for the most part. Uh, early in the game and i think it worked out really well yeah definitely mike i always think about thanksgiving football when we were like down in thanksgiving football like we would just run no huddle like and they just like keep the defense and then they like it always seemed to do well against the defense because either they got tired out quicker or they were just like they just didn't know what to do like it was such such a different pace that it, it changed the outcome so like we would catch up like we would down three scores okay well can we do let's just do no huddle let's just line up and just go out for a pass right like and then all of a sudden like you know we're up three we went from being down three scores to up three scores you know? well yeah the defense i mean we weren't ready we, we didn't know if it was gonna be a blitzing down because we can only blitz once every four down so it's like oh no we don't know what to do now yeah, right. Like, because the offense has like their advantage is knowing where they're supposed to be, and it just magnifies it when you can speed speed it up like that for sure. Yeah. So, what do we think? Just more every week? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it, it was making me think the more we talk about like Dawson Knox being in there. Like, who knows if Dorsey was the one that wanted two tight ends? Maybe he didn't. <laughs> you know, maybe he only wanted one because he could scheme really scheme much better for only one tight end on the field. And now he's like, finally, I only have one tight end I have to scheme for. And now this is now we're finally making it work. Who knows? And McDermott's yeah. like, oh well, couldn't Morris is healthy now? Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> He trades for a tight end at the deadline <laughs> just so we have another one. Like what wasn't um, that wasn't that a thing when Dable was here? Like the whole like I don't know if it was the media or people just generally talking like that McDermott wanted a certain thing and Dable didn't quite do it the way that he wanted and maybe now McDermott is controlling Dorsey because he's able to like that's a thing, but I I don't know if it is, if that makes sense. So you think like McDermott's telling Dorsey, we want you to play two tight ends on the field more often. Complimentary football. And he's, and he's kind of like, okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, like, what, like, like, weren't people talking about that? Like he wanted to play ball control and, and Dable was doing something slightly different. It felt like that. Yeah. I don't, I, he I wanted think I to run the ball more and more effectively and this and that. And and now now maybe maybe he's getting his way, and then Knox got hurt. I I don't know. That's a good point. I, you never know with those things whether it's it's driven by yeah um, rumblings that that's what's going on, or if that's it's all speculation, or if anyone really reported that that was. I don't think anyone reported that specifically. I, we would have known about that, but no, I think it was just like people talking. Mm-hmm. They always wonder with defensive-minded head coaches, they're like, just run the ball. <laughs> like, just run the ball. You don't have to worry about turning the ball over or something. I don't know. But How do you think McDermott's doing this year as a head coach slash defensive coordinator? So I, what you brought up earlier, John, and I'm glad you said that you asked that because I forgot to mention what you said about Sean McDermott and his conservative play calling when it came to third and short and fourth and short, like, and also not having a ton of success there. Like there was that fourth and goal where like there were so many shotgun plays on fourth and goal for the or the goal line uh, 
when they were in the red zone or in the within the ten yard line, and it was very frustrating to see because they didn't seem to have hardly any success. Well, the shotgun stuff I blame Dorsey for, but the okay going forward on fourth and short I blame McDermott for. And and I agree with you. He played a conservative game, and when he was asked about that at the press conference on Friday, I think. He was just like, they weren't, he's like, up until that last drive, they really weren't able to move the ball on us. He's like, so that's, that was my mindset going into this. Like, we're going to force them to move the ball. So if it's fourth and short on the 45 and you don't think they're going to move the ball either way, why not just go for it on fourth and one or two? And, 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 right. Even if you don't get it, well, they're not moving the ball on us anyway. Yes. Yes. That's a great, that's an excellent point, John, because it was like fourth and one and the Bills ended up punting it right from their own, like, or from the Bucks, like 40 yard line or something to that, right? Right. And instead it's like you gain one yard and the game's over. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that should be your mentality. But but even earlier than that, like I get Sam Martin was pinned him down at the five and this and that. And like most of the time they just punted it back. But on any one of those two drives, if they get a field goal, then that Hail Mary does does nothing. Like that doesn't happen because they're up by another three. Mm -hmm. So there was, let's see, in the, in the, the Bills punted from their own. Let's see. They punted from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 48-yard line, right, with 21 seconds left to go. And then they they punted it essentially 28 yards because it get, ended up getting down in the end zone, right? So um, it gave them just enough time to potentially get a Hail Mary, whereas, you know, if you get that one yard that you need to end the game, like that's that's really what you want, right? Like that's that you want to – because you, you end the game, whereas like – I guess I kind of understand it though, because if you give the ball back to them at their like own 47, well then that Hail Mary got a lot easier, like all of a sudden, but they still needed a touchdown. They still needed a touchdown no matter what. So, I mean that, that last one, I, I, I still would have gone for it, but I could see why he didn't, but the two before that were inexcusable in my opinion. And it was fourth and one at the, the bills 48 or I'm sorry, Buffalo's 48. So you would not have gone for it on that one. I, I was, 60-40 in favor of going for it. The two previous to that, say so it shouldn't even come down to that. The two previous to that, they should have gone for it 100%. The other two fourth down plays, they should have gone for it. And one of those two would have resulted in at least a field goal, and they would, it wouldn't have mattered after that. It wasn't the one where it was a fourth and two, and Buffalo was on their own 44, right? That sounds like could have been one of them. Okay, that was like the second last one where they ended up punting. They took a delay a game on that one. Yeah, but yeah, both of them, I think they took delay games, or maybe the last one they did too. But there's a fourth and five on Buffalo's 49 where they punted. Yeah. Uh, a couple of drives before that. Yeah. Those should have all been go- gone for situations. Yeah. But they yeah, won. I mean, but they won. So, like, they won, whatever. But, they won. but, like, <laughs> but in the future, if you're playing somebody else, like Cincinnati next week or Philadelphia or Kansas City or Dallas or all these other teams they got to play, yeah, they got to go for those. I know you can't maybe, well, you just got to hope that in those situations that McDermott realizes, hey, you know, I can't get away with that against the Bengals, right? Like I have to be more aggressive and hopefully it does because the Bengals did beat the 49ers today. So like, you know, they're starting to get their momentum back. Luckily, the Bills have a couple of more days of rest than they do. So that's positive. Yeah. And, um, with- and most of the time, the reason for that is because like if you're punting for it on the opposing 45 and you kick it out of the back of the end zone which happens m- most times that's like a 25 yard difference. And then they get it in two plays. Like they already passed that where you had it. Now in last game's instance, 
Sam Martin was great. He got, got him to the five or whatever. But like, you also have to factor in that you could have put the game away in either of those other two drives with even just a field goal where it didn't have to come down on Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, real quick, like shout out to Sam Martin, right? Like Sam Martin had an unbelievable game um, punting. His best game as a Buffalo Bill, I'd I'd argue, at least the most memorable game of him as a Buffalo Bill. So um, great game by him. There were three, like three punts, I believe, that were within the 10-yard line, which is just unheard of. Yeah. Since Mormon. The sad thing is he shouldn't have punted any of those three times and should have gone for it. It's just, exactly. it's just like, even if it works out, it's not the right call is what, it comes, down, is what it comes down to. Good point. So um, well, let's go into stats of the game real quick. Stats of the game brought to you by the Twinspire Sportsbook at DeLago. Uh, Josh Allen, 31 for 40, 324 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Just that one interception was so costly. If it wasn't for that one, man, like it just wouldn't have been, just wouldn't have been so bad of a game. You know, it's just, <laughs> just the reality of it. I mean, it just happened to lead to a touchdown. Yeah, it's kind of wonky. Like anything that gets deflected, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like a fluky play in general already. I, mean, I, I get that you, you got to, you know, know your passing lanes and this and that, but like somebody's going to get hand up once in a while and flex it to your own guy, then that just sucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. You're all holding your breath as it goes up in the air and it like lands right into a the Bills if it happens on the Bills defense, Poyer gets his hand up three different times, not one goes into another defender's arms, right? Just just bad luck again. And Poyer had a great game, but it was just nothing just happened to tip into the Bills uh direction for that. No interceptions or anything. So uh like I said, three hundred and twenty four yards, two touchdowns, one interception for Josh Allen. James Cook, Captain Cook, the leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills, fourteen carries for sixty seven yards. Josh Allen also the second leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills, seven carries, forty one yards, one touchdown. That's much more like the stat line we're used to seeing even last year. He was averaging forty seven yards a game rushing the ball. He had almost that on Thursday. Leading receiver for the Buffalo Bills, Khalil Shakir, six receptions on six targets, 92 yards. Gabe Davis, we didn't even mention Gabe Davis having a really tremendous game. Nine receptions, 12 targets, 87 yards, one touchdown. Stefan Diggs, nine receptions on 12 targets for 70 yards. And then Dalton Kincatch, Kincaid, five receptions on seven targets for 65 yards and one touchdown. On the Bucks side of the ball, I'll just give a quick, a few quick stats. Baker Mayfield, 25 for 42, 237 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, Rashad White, the leading rusher, nine attempts on 30 or 39 yards on nine attempts. And then uh, Rashad White, uh, seven receptions on seven targets for 70 yards, leading receiver, running back. So Baker Mayfield not doing not doing a whole lot with the ball, uh, but I think you know Benford had a had a really good game. There's this one play. I mean, geez, I I don't think it's going to make my sweet sassy molassy plays of the game, but it made me think of it just now. It's gonna it definitely deserves an honorable mention right now. Is there was a play in the end zone where where Evans had the ball and Benford knocked it out at the last second in the back of the end zone. Um, I didn't see it live during the game, but I saw it on on replay on social media on Twitter, um, and that was just amazing. Yeah, Benford played great, and in general, Evans was, aside from that, like, one touchdown he had where it, like, bounced the right way off of Benford and into his hands, uh, Benford was great. He's, like, probably my uh, highest honorable mention for Wall of Fame this week. I mean, Mike Evans held to, 
three receptions on six targets for 39 yards and a touchdown, like you mentioned, like that's a good stat line for your, for Benford locking up the other team's number one wide receiver. Like I'll take that any day of the week. You know, I mean, I can't, I mean, it just makes me think like, I can't wait till Tredavious White comes back. Like how good is this CB1, CB2 combination going to be for the next several years? As long as, you know, Trey White comes back healthy. Um, it's exciting place to be. It, you know, great pick, John. Like we were mentioning, Brandon Bean getting flack for picks. Maybe Elam isn't the guy, but geez, I mean, sometimes that's why you double dip. And he double dipped that draft in the late late part of the draft and got Benford, and that turned out to be a pretty damn good pick. All right, so those were stats. Hey, let me look at the defense real quick, actually. Sacks on the day. A.J. Epinesa had a sack. Ed Oliver had a sack. I thought he had a pretty good game. Taron Johnson had a sack against uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, Jordan Phillips almost had a sack on that fourth down where he would have ended the game, but instead he grabbed his face mask, grabbed Baker Mayfield's face mask at the last. Man, was there any more deflating play than that? I know there was another fourth down where like illegal contact was called that would have given the Bills you know, the ball back to end the game, but... That Jordan Phillips sack, man, that that really grinds my gears. <laughs> he had him dead to rights. Oh, he didn't even have to grab his face mask. I know he's just looking to grab to something, but he could have just held him up by his jersey. And s- there's no way Baker Mayfield was making a play. It was fourth down. Like even if he throws it in the dirt, like somehow, like they're not getting, they're not keeping the ball, right? Um, that was a that was a killer, man. So, oh, a few more stats real quick. Uh, Shaq Lawson. Credited with blocking Buccaneers kicker Chase McLaughlin's field goal attempt, marking the Bills' first blocked field goal since Daquan Jones versus the Browns in 2022. So that was kind of cool. I can't believe it's been that that recent since the Bills blocked a field goal. I feel like it's been years, doesn't it? Yeah. Who is um Who is that guy in the drought that they called Mega Hand? Alex Carrington. Yes, Carrington. Yes. He was a third round <laughs> pick too, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Oh he was. my gosh. From Arkansas State, I believe. Oh. Third round pick. I remember thinking he was, he, this guy's the gut. This guy's going to be good, right? This guy's. We thought about that about a lot of players during the draft. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Here, here, give me, this is a fun exercise. Give me one other name. If you could, th- I'll give you a name if you want, and then you can go and th- give me a name of someone that you thought was going to end up being something that didn't really end up being anything. Do you have one off the top of your head? Wait, what was the question? I think. Of, I think <laughs> Like we thought, we were just mentioning like Alex Carrington. Like I think of that draft. Like I think Terrell Troop was in that draft too. Oh, I in Terrell that draft, going to be good. Oh, or it doesn't have to be in that draft, but like in that time frame or somewhere in the oh. drought where you're just like, oh, this guy's. I think this oh. guy's going to be good. Like I thought most of it, immediately. Most of it was hope, right? Like any because like they didn't draft many quarterbacks during the drought. So like anytime they did, like Lossman or Manuel, you'd be like, oh, this, this has got to be it, right? Yeah, yeah, quarterbacks for sure. Like I, I, for some reason I was thinking of like a later round pick, like Marcus Easley. I thought Marcus Easley was going to be a good, I thought he was going to end up being yeah. something for the bills. Yeah. James Hardy. I, I James was, Hardy. Yeah. That was a bit, that was one. It was a second round pick. Yeah. I thought he was going to be really good. I thought Aaron Mabin was going to be really good. I was just going to say Aaron Mabin. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the good thing about like when those drafts started happening um, is you're like, the Bills aren't reaching anymore. It didn't feel like, like before they'd be like taking a player and you'd be like, what are you doing? Like, this is like a second round, third round grade on a lot of, or like they'd be taking them at a top 10 pick. And the people are like having them at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. It's like, what are you doing Buffalo? Like, why are you? And right, then like, right. with, or, or with even, that, if, even if it was a little bit of a reach, it'd be like, oh, he's got so much potential. Like, or like he could, the ceiling is so high. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, then, it, uh, but then it wasn't. 
when Aaron Maven was drafted, I remember people Maven. thinking like that was a good that was a good draft pick. Right. Like people weren't like, what are you doing? Like he was a consensus, yeah. like first round pick for sure. Yeah. It's actually like in some ways it's similar to Rousseau, right? Like super athletic, like he'd played different positions in his career had you know, prior to that. Um, but like this year he's coming into his own and so it's, with that regard it's different right like he's actually playing well right mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely so that's a fun it's a fun thing to think of let's let's keep doing that if we think of other drought players that we thought would be good in this podcast that it didn't end up being good at all let's, <laughs> let's bring them up <laughs> um josh uh let's see Josh Allen had had that rushing TD, like I mentioned earlier. Josh Allen now has 43 career rushing touchdowns and has tied Steve Young for the second most by a quarterback in NFL history. That's crazy, right? Josh Allen tied Steve Young for the most rushing touchdowns in by a quarterback in a- NFL history. Second most. Like, that's crazy. I mean, and I, he's, I wonder who has the first most. He's Is third like, most in Bill's history for any player. So, obviously, Thurman Thomas and O.J. Simpson. And then... Josh Allen. Guess who has the most um, career rushing touchdowns in NFL history, if you had to guess? For a quarterback? For a quarterback. So it's not Steve Young. So Allen and Young are tied with second. <laughs> uh, is it, is it, uh, Tarkinson. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. No. Vic. No, not Tarkinson. No. No. Vic is, Vic is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Lamar Jackson. No, he no. Lamar Jackson is not even top ten. He's been hurt too much. He, Randall Cunningham. Cunningham's eighth. Is he still playing? <laughs> he was up until recently. So think about recent quarterbacks. And this person has seventy-five rushing touchdowns up until very recently. I don't think he's in the league anymore. I'm almost positive he's not on any roster, but he was. He's number one. Number one at seventy-five. So I mean, Allen needs a few more years to beat this guy. Running quarterback. He used to do a lot of like goal line rushes probably one of the reasons why he's not in the league anymore is because he kept getting hit so many times yeah that's what i'm trying to think about like line. i feel like we always reference him as a cautionary tale to what could be what could happen to josh allen yes do you know who it is mike and you're just not telling or yeah okay i thought we were asking yeah mike you're... mike just looked it up so he knows now <laughs> um how, what what can i give as a um as a hint uh, the the team <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to give it right away. <laughs> All right, what's his what's his first name? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then tell me his last name, and then maybe I'll get it from there. <laughs> um, uh, he played. Even if I say he, who he played how many teams team, did no. he play for? I want to say just two or three, three at most. I think only two, though. Right? I don't know. You're saying you're asking me? No, right? I'm asking Mike. I'm not. He asking. played for one team twice, <laughs> yeah. and his name is, is sounds like a healthy cookie. Snack. Oh, this is gonna make me overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> John's like it's gonna make me hungry too. Uh, is it a healthy cookie? I didn't think any cookies. Were. Is that one actual healthy cookie? Well, compared to an Oreo. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Compared to an Oreo. Wait, his name is a. Well, cookie? I mean, is a name of a cookie. Is that what you're saying? Yes, his last name is. There was that NFL commercial where the kids like there was, he was talking to a little kid. He's like, yeah, and then your your mom your mom will think I'm her favorite player. Oh yeah, I remember that commercial. Are we drafted. He's like, he's like, I could turn out to be just like you. He's like, yeah, for sure. He's like, I could get drafted in the first round. Yeah, yeah, sure, kid. Number one overall. He's like, yeah, then uh, have your your mom will think I'm her favorite player. He's like, whoa. I think the thing I'm getting hung up on is a 
player who like like within the last year or two is not in the league anymore. That's the part that I'm getting he, up on. He was there for like ten years or so. Like he was there for a while. So um so l- let me give you another he played with he he was in a Super Bowl. He played with Steve Smith in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jake DeLome. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in the Super Bowl, was he? I don't know. <laughs> Jake DeLome. Uh, Mike thought I gave it away on that one. See, it didn't give it away. Um, <laughs> yes, you did. He thinks it's Jake DeLome. Same team, John. Come on. Steve Smith, senior or junior? <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Smith Sr. By the way, he's so good. Do you see him go off on Jerry Judy? He said like how he, then Jerry Judy was yapping back, and his stat line was like three catches for thirteen yards. <laughs> um, so yeah, he played with Steve Smith, Carolina Panthers. John, yeah, I said their franchise quarterback of the last yeah decade or more, ten years. Yeah. Is it really played new? for Sean McDermott? Yeah, yeah. You're you know what's funny? That? Like we we were. I, I actually am because I didn't feel like he played that long because he was injured a lot. Remember when the Bills got Marcel Darius and like the pick or two ahead was Cam Newton? And we wanted Cam Newton so bad, and we knew we weren't going to get him. So bad, so bad. We he would have he would have done great here. And then we also wanted Von Miller. Didn't get him either. Then we got Marcel Darius. We're like, oh, we got the third best guy. Eh. Yeah. Um, well, we ended up with Von Miller, kind of. Yeah, we kind of sort of yeah, in a roundabout way. But he played six snaps last week, right? Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I don't have the stats. You want me to pull that up? On that he had a pressure on that. Yeah, he had like one pressure towards the end of the game. But he's been ineffective since he's been back. I don't know if it's like Von a Trey Miller. White thing, where like it took a while for Trey White to fully come back, and then all of a sudden Trey White looked great, and unfortunately he got hurt again. But um, yeah, Von Miller has not looked like himself. Von Miller got 27 snaps this past Thursday, the most snaps he's gotten since a couple of weeks ago where he had 27 also. So he played 40% of the defensive snaps, which is the most he's played since his injury. Since he came back, 40% is the most snaps. So he had the most. It is largely ineffective. Floyd, very not still not the same guy Yeah, I mean, Leonard Floyd and Greg Russo, I feel like, are, are still a much bigger factor in the pass rush at this point. So. Uh, yeah, I feel like Kingsley Real Jonathan quick, should get some more snaps. Yeah, like he only had four percent snaps. Me too. Oddly enough, the third, the th- we mentioned Newton was the the leading, had the most rushing touchdowns of all quarterbacks. Allen and Young tied for second. Third overall for all time quarterback rushing touchdowns is Jack Kemp. Oddly enough, I would not have guessed Jack Kemp uh, having that stat. So former Buffalo Bill, I, Jack, I, I wouldn't have either, and I feel like I should have known that one i feel like you should have too john i'm disappointed in you <laughs> um khalil Shakir. i mean i could have i could have faked it and been like yeah i know that one <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate your honesty but i expected more no i'm just kidding <laughs> khalil shakir had established a career high for uh for receiving yards which we knew um gabe davis's eight catches or he had nine catches on the night established a, a career high his previous was six catches Done three times. Josh Allen had uh, had that last touchdown throw of the night, which uh, marked his 199th career offensive touchdown, tying him with Dan Marino for the second most all time in a player's first six seasons. By the way, I always feel like that stat's a little, you know, there's an asterisk because 
Patrick Mahomes not in that isn't in that stat because he didn't play his first season. You know, like Alex Smith played. So and Mahomes wasn't good enough to play in his first season. You know, what are you gonna say <laughs> he wasn't? Yeah, they didn't trust him. The Allen currently le- leads the NFL in offensive touchdowns in general. Uh, Diggs tallied nine catches on the night, improving his career total to 767 receptions. Diggs now has uh, the second most receptions by a player prior to turning 30 in league history. The other, the only one that had more was DeAndre Hopkins. He actually just beat Larry Fitzgerald for that for that role. So future Hall of Famer, right? I'll just say that future Hall of Famer Stephon Diggs. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So those were stats of the game brought to you by the Twinspire Sportsbook at Delago. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that T-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Do you guys have a sweet sassy molassy play of the game for for that one? Because I'll give I'll give mine real quick while you guys are contemplating yours. Uh, it was that Josh Allen touchdown pass where it looked like he was he he took the snap. It looked like he was going to run, and instead of running, which he might have been able to at least get a first down if not a touchdown running, he decided to sidearm pass it to Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid, you know. Uh, got through a few defenders, got into the end zone for his first career touchdown. I love that play. It was everything that we love about Josh Allen um, again and uh, and exciting. I mean, we're just, it it was by far like my favorite touchdown of the night. So uh, that was my sweet sassy molassy play of the game. So John, Mike, do you guys have any, any that come uh, close to that? Maybe besides the Hail Mary not going the Bucks way or something like that? I'm going to do the opposite and do the touchdown that Josh Allen ran in where he didn't decide to throw it. And I, th- I think it's part of the whole like Allen unleashed thing, right? Like let's, which is kind of funny because a lot of people over the last several years have been like, Oh, Allen's running too much. He's going to get hurt. We can't let him run. And then at the beginning of the season, he hasn't been doing that. And people are all like, Allen's got to run more, <laughs> <laughs> but he looks so more comfortable um, this game, and I think him doing that is part of that, and that just was like a huge 
play in 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 my eyes. So like when he did, I'm like, oh, that was fantastic. You know, sweet Sesimalazi. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that because he didn't get touched in the end zone either. So that was nice. Didn't take any hits. Um, Allen unleashed. John, should I make a T-shirt for our T Public store? Allen unleashed. I liked when you just said that just now. That gave me a. Would you buy a shirt that said Allen unleashed? Like regular Josh. Like. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, I'll I'll run some proofs by you. <laughs> see what you think. And if you like it, and we make it, I'm giving you a T-shirt. I'm giving you the first Allen yeah. unleashed T-shirt. So oh, you're like, I got enough shirts, man. Don't don't bother. <laughs> um, no, not not Mike enough filters. Can never have enough filters. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? One of those two plays, sweet sassy. Yeah, one of those two. Okay. I I want to pick something from the defense, but it's all a blur. The dopamine rush. I can't remember a specific defensive play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, there was there wasn't a ton of really standout plays. Wall of I, I mean, Wall of Fame. Now this is going to be interesting because I feel like you could put several different people on this Wall of Fame. Um, I'll go first. I I'm going to put uh, Josh Allen on this one. Um, I'm going to have several honorable mentions when you guys pick yours, but Josh Allen with just um, just a comeback game minus that one tipped pass in the beginning. Uh, just. Allen unleashed, like John said, just he's playing. I, I saw a funny, uh, a cool uh, billboard being held up at the stadium and someone said, let Josh be Josh. And I thought that that was really good. It was like some like 12 year old kid. And I'm like, that's what, that's what they need to do is let Josh be Josh. Now, mind you, he can't just go like what people call like sugar high Josh or like, you know, YOLO Josh or whatever. Like he can't be that, but he can be more of what he has been in previous seasons than he has been this season, right? Like where he's kind of been toned down. So um, I w- it was good to see that Josh Allen had a really good night altogether. I'm sure there were some stalled drives where maybe he could have done a little bit more, but there were also a lot of plays where he checked down out of certain plays and they got the first down when they needed to. Um, I was thinking in the fourth quarter when he checked down a play and he got a quick pass off to Stefan Diggs getting the first down. I thought that was awesome. Um, yeah, just a great game by, all around by Josh Allen. John, do you have a Wall of Fame nominee? Yeah, I agree. Josh Allen, um, you know, 31 to 40, 324 yards, a couple touchdowns, and then he ran for 41 yards and another touchdown. The whole let Josh be Josh thing, it, it wasn't just with running. It was like, I don't even want to say backyard football, but because it was all very well planned, but he got the ball out quick, but it wasn't just digs. And that was the biggest thing ending last year and ending the last half of last year that teams knew is, oh, it's cover digs and we're good. Kincaid, Shakir, Diggs, and uh, Davis even all did really well. Davis, I mean, Allen was phenomenal, I thought. Um, my only honorable mention is Benford, and it was a great team effort, but I'll do Allen and then Benford. Okay, I'll give an honorable mention then, Mike. Uh, Sam Martin. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mike. Do you have a, a, a Wall of Famer? I might have been muted oh. just then. My bad. Uh, I got to go somebody on the defense. It's hard for me to... Man, I think Bernard or Poyer. I, Poyer I think I want to say Poyer. Um, eight total tackles, three solo, a couple passes defended. He just seems like he was everywhere. Yeah, I'm going Poyer. Poyer's a good one. I like that one a lot, Mike. It's an honorable mention. I was going to give. I was going to give one to Benford Poyer. Um, Sam Martin. We mentioned Sam Martin having a good game. Uh, Khalil Shakir. Jeez, I mean Gabe Davis. Everyone hating on Gabe Davis, and he had a tremendous game. Um, he was really there as an outlet for Josh when he needed him. Um, again, Khalil Shakir, like I mentioned, just like, I mean, John mentioned yards after catch. 
Shakir was there. Gabe, was, Gabe Davis was there. Just the ability to find other receivers, like John mentioned, Dalton Kincaid um, having his first career touchdown. Lots of lots of exciting. I mean, the Bills do have weapons. Like this, this game was good for showing all of us. Like it's not just Diggs. It's not just Diggs. There, there are other players that, when given the chance, they can look good. Um, and I mean, you had four of them: Shakir, Davis, Diggs, Kincaid, and James Cook wasn't really even involved in the passing game, and he could have been. He could have been. An, I mean, he's another weapon for them, um, but he was more of a weapon on the ground. So yeah, yeah. Wall of shame, though. I think. I think, John. Can I guess what your wall of shame is going to be? Sean McDermott. Go for it. Sean McDermott. Yeah. For conservative play calling on third and or fourth and short, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he played scared in the fourth quarter. No, I, I don't know, I'm scared, but like a wimp. Like he, like, I mean, you already know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give my wallet. I do agree with some of that to a point, but then again, I kind of like the conservative nature against a team that, other than that last drive, what were they scoring? Ten points the entire game. I mean, this wasn't. This wasn't a team that was just crushing it. Um, Happy. So Nate says he loves the conservative nature. Okay. I just didn't disagree with it in this instance. Quoted. So much. <laughs> um, I didn't like the penalties. The penalties were so sloppy by the Bills. They had nine penalties for 86 yards on Thursday night. Just, uh, I mean, just the penalties just kept them in the game over and over again. And some of them were ticky-tacky, like that first defensive penalty or defensive pass interference on the Bills and the Bucks opening drive that kept that one going for a field goal. Like, I thought that was a little much. I mean, the guy... I forget even who was the defender. It might have been Benford. Like he was playing the ball and still like it's like what can you do? Like you can't touch the guy and go for the ball. I, I just don't get that. Um so I didn't like that play. And there were a couple of other plays that I wasn't a fan of for, you know, them calling like I didn't I didn't like the 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 uh refereeing. I didn't like the fact that the punter for the box tore off his helmet and then hit somebody with it. And not only was that not called a penalty, he should have been ejected. That wasn't done either. So, I mean, as much as people want to complain about the Bucks not getting a defensive pass interference for, you know, the end of the game, Hail Mary, there were a lot of plays that should have been called against the Bucks that just didn't get called. Um, and then last year, it even goes back to last season. Remember, Stephon Diggs was running open and one of the uh, Bucks, uh cornerbacks, I think his number 24, was grabbing him by the jersey, <laughs> like in plain sight, and that one wasn't called, like, there are plenty of calls that don't the Bills don't get. They should just not have refs and just let them play the game. Seriously, <laughs> they need to whatever you know. Yeah, how did they not? How did they not? How did they not have this figured out by now? Anyway, um, Mike, wall of shame for you. Yeah, I guess I have to agree. With who? <laughs> Both. I want to put a wall of shame honorable mention for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love Fitzpatrick. Is Fitzpatrick the most likable former Bill in the like? Did you say wall shame? It, no wall of fame. I'm oh, go back okay. to wall of fame. All right, all right, yeah. I would never. Don't you dare try to I say wasn't, that. I wasn't. I don't know if record. I misheard you or not, but no, you did. You did. Or, it's, I, or I misspoke, an, but I did not mean that. Play it back. Na- play it national back. treasure. <laughs> Uh, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I loved him when he was here, and but he's so much. He's so likable. Did you guys see the the play where he took his shirt off and chest bumped Billy Buffalo? At oh yeah, yeah. I definitely watched the post game because they won, so I watched the post game. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Like the fans awesome. were like cheering from take his shirt off. And they're chanting, and Allen was kind of helping him <laughs> take his blazer off afterwards because they still wanted to take his blazer off. <laughs> it was so funny. 
It was great. He it, is hilarious. He's a great Life sport too. Great sport. I mean, great... like, I mean, there's probably some degree of embarrassment, but like, I mean, once he did that, like in the Patriots game with the, you know, the perfect offense game, whatever. He took his shirt off. That it was, it was, was that was it. That, that was it. Like he was never like every time he comes back to Buffalo, fans are going to want him to take his shirt off. Yeah. Oh man. He is. Yeah. I love Fitzpatrick. I, if there was a way to put Fitzmagic on like the wall of fame in the new stadium, like I know he doesn't deserve to be on it, like statistically or whatever, but like they should just have like, I don't know if it goes in like the gambling area, or the sports book area of like the stadium. There needs to be a, an area of the stadium that's just like all of our favorite players that they didn't necessarily amount to like wall of fame worthy, but they just like Fred Jackson. Like I love Fred Jackson. Like he needs to be somewhere in Bill's history, like enshrined, maybe not in the stadium where everyone sees for every game, but like somewhere there needs so to be in, his a, in a lesser area of the stadium. You're saying like the basement or something <laughs> somewhere, somewhere um, in the, <laughs> the visited team's <laughs> locker room. I don't know the, ur- the, the, the troughs for the urinals <laughs> just <laughs> like as I'm taking a leak, I want to look through all of my famous, my favorite Bills players of the past that weren't good enough for for the Wall of Fame, but were should deserve honorable mentions. <laughs> it's like remember this player, like oh yeah, I remember Terrence McGee. Like yeah, I like Terrence McGee. Like, he's a good guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick, hell yeah. It's... So, do you guys have any hot takes after that game? Because I, I have a few on Twitter I'm going to read, but I want to give you guys a chance. I don't know if it's a hot take, but. I, I do think the Bills are going to win out. <laughs> John, John, don't ever become a politician because your flip-flopping is next level, next level flip-flopping. And I love it because um, it's not political, so it doesn't affect my future. But like, it's it's really funny. It'll be like, and, and I wish you guys could see, I should just screen screenshot these uh, these texts. I don't know if we can do a discord or something like where we can just include certain like people that are like hardcore listeners to like our group chat. But like John will be like seasons over and then it'll be super like big caps, super bowls with like 12 Z's, 10 exclamation points, like within the, within two text messages, seasons over super bowl. Here we come. Like, it's, well, it's all relative really. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's relative to, uh, to the mood of what you're going on. So, um, so here's here's one hot take. Let me share my screen so you guys can see it. Uh, these these night games start too late, and I'm too old to de- attend them in person anymore. Dude, I uh, I was driving back at two in the morning to Rochester, and I was like, "What am I doing? <laughs> like, why? Like, but I feel like I'm too old. My friends that I went with in Buffalo, they're like, you can stay at the couch or stay on our couch or whatever, and, and crash there, which they were super nice to offer, but like. At my age, like they have three kids, like that's just going to be awkward if I don't leave at like six in the morning, right? Like before the kids get up or something. Like, won't that be super weird if they see some dude sleeping on the couch, like you know, in my jeans? Because I know I'm not going in my boxers or whatever. <laughs> awkward, right? So uh, I'm I'm still in the I I like one p.m. games. I I always dreamed of all these primetime games when I was in my twenties, and now I'm just like, ugh, I gotta work the next morning. No thing. You could sleep in the bedroom <laughs> with a couple <laughs> on the floor. The floor, <laughs> like a dog, <laughs> like <laughs> sleep at the foot of their bed. <laughs> Wasn't that what Michael used to do in uh, in their in his apartment with Jan? 
<laughs> he's like, this is my spot down here. Is there enough room for you? He's like, yeah, if I, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, w- that would be me. Guys, don't mind me. I'll just be here. The foot of your bed. Um, Maybe that's what they wanted. <laughs> hey, we were talking about swingers a few weeks ago. Maybe that was their, <laughs> their invitation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Buffalo Mike, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mike's like, yes, we're crapping all over Buffalo Mike. Let's do this. <laughs> um, you didn't have to send me a picture. I thought that was <laughs> in poor taste. Over the top. John, I sent Mike a picture of me and Buffalo Mike in the stands doing a selfie. I never do selfies, by the way. Very rare. Probably the last selfie I did was take was with one of you two, because like, I don't do them. And so, uh, What's yeah. I couldn't even enjoy the game. <laughs> Uh, I was joking around with them. I'm like, Buffalo Nate, because him and his wife were like, they thought that part of the podcast at the end was really funny. And they're like, they're like, so Buffalo Nate's coming to town because I guess it's not two separate people. It's just me. I'm like, Buffalo Nate's a great time. As soon as he gets to Batavia, though, he's falling asleep at the wheel. Like, but Rochester Nate gets tired super quickly. <laughs> he's not the same guy. Buffalo Nate has all the time in the world to hang out. But yeah, Buffalo Mike. Um so I agree with Ulysses on that, General Ulysses. Uh, Phillips is a part-time player. He's washed. And I and I, and I I agree with that. He's definitely not the same player that he used to be, even last year since his injury. But like, if he had that sack on Baker Mayfield to end the game, to end that drive before the touchdown, he'd be the MVP, wouldn't it? That would be the sweet sassy Malazzi play the game, easily. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's always been a decent role player. He's never... He's, not going to be that week to week starter that you want necessarily. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know what we expect from him. So your expectation is that you want him to be a starter. You're going to be disappointed. But if you think he's a part-time player anyway, like you don't think he's washed. You're like, he's just doing what we thought, right? Yeah. He's playing the role that we wanted. We thought he would play. Mike Huffnagel wrote, wrote being at the game. It was clear that Dodson is a liability until that spot is corrected. The bills need to stay in dime with three safeties. Yeah, it seems like they were they're bringing in Dodson when they wanted two linebackers, but then keeping Brapp in when they wanted uh, a safety in or someone else for coverage. I think they're just trying to find their way defensively, though. Still, right, and like Dorian's still a rookie, right? I wish they would just unleash him, though. You know, like we we're talking about all these young, promising players. I think he's one of them, man. But they they've been playing him a lot, and if they so if they think that hey, maybe this time we want to put. Dotson in more, which is out of position for Dotson, right? Because Dotson is more of a middle linebacker, but that's what Bernard yep. is doing. So that's kind of tough. Yep. Dotson, Mike, right? Dotson, Dotson. We got Dotson here. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only good thing about Tyrell Dotson is that is that Jurassic Park clip. Uh, yeah, Dotson is just there. I mean, he's they, they he's just a guy that they just trust slightly more than Dorian Williams, but he definitely doesn't have as high a ceiling as Dorian. Yassinator writes, number one, beautiful fall weather night. Number two, good to see the other wide receivers involved. And number three, thank God we're off till Sunday, until next Sunday night to rest up. Yeah, that mini buy is huge. I mean, the the Bengals finished a four o'clock game, so they, they had a late end to their Sunday. So, uh, But that was in San Francisco too, so the Bills are playing in Cincy next week. Alec think- Mack, go ahead. Do you think there's going to be like, you know, thinking back to last year, the whole like the Hamlin thing in Cincy and then the playoff game with Cincy, do you think there's going to be a lot of demons there or do you think it's going to be like, what are your thoughts on all, on, on all that? Mm, I think that this is, if I was just going based off of what you said and thinking about 
the history these team, two teams have, I think that last playoff game left a very bitter taste in everyone's mouth. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a pretty chippy game against the Bengals, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills pull this one off uh, because of how it ended and they're extra fueled from that loss. Um, I think I think the DeMar Hamlin thing isn't as much of a factor because they did play them again after that game, you know? So, like, they kind of got that out of the way, but um, I think they're still working on the disappointment of how last season ended and how much they got dominated by the Bengals. And I think that they come out swinging again this this game um, in a different way than the Bengals have seen them. What do you think? That sounds good. I, I feel like the <laughs> I feel more confident in this game than I did uh, the Bills Giants game, maybe or something do, like. I think. Do you, do you feel more confident um, playing the Bengals now than? If I asked you in July, before before, uh, um, before Joe Burrow this, had that before, calf injury, <laughs> before the season started, I feel more right confident. Now. I feel more confident now. The Bengals had a slow start, and they're just kind of getting their footing back now. But um, they're not the same team. I think. I think this is a good part in the schedule to get them because I think they'll they'll come strong again um, at the end of the season, like they did last year. So I think I still think they're a really good team, but I don't. I think now is the time. It's a good time to get them. Um, it's unfortunate the Bills just have so many injuries right now. Um, I know week one might have been better, right? I mean, week one would have been great to get them. There, or maybe right? maybe week two. They didn't look really good week one. Maybe week two would have. Been <laughs> yeah, the Bills. The Bills didn't look good at all week one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if Ed Oliver's healthy, I think they have a much better shot because man, we were lucky that he was he was a game time decision basically last week against the. The box and he he proved to be a, a big part of that game, that defensive line. We really need him. Yeah, I mean, even with Oliver in though, it, it worries me with Daquan Jones being out. It does, then, it does. But luckily, Von Miller's back. I mean, not that he's playing a huge role, but just they didn't have him for either of those games last year. They didn't have yeah. Leonard Floyd for either of those games last year. Greg Rousseau is taking a step forward. AJ Epinesa is taking a big step forward. You know, um, Daquan Jones might they be did. the biggest hit on the on the defense, right? Like if you oh, think more about than like, Milano, if you look at like maybe Milano, Milano is probably number one only because yes. the Dorian because they don't have a replacement for him. Yeah, right. Yeah, they don't so have like, a replacement like, for Daquan Jones either. Really, like if you, yeah, like if you if you factor like oh Edmonds is gone, well they got Bernard, so they're like that doesn't seem as bad. White is out, but they have Benford, and then Dane Jackson is nice, you know, so. That's good. Oliver seems healthy, but the Daquan Jones thing does sound significant. So uh, he might be n- number two after Milano, but th- that hurts. That hurt them in the playoff game, not having Daquan Jones, right? Because he was inactive that he was injured that game and they, mm-hmm. they couldn't get any pressure up the middle or stop the run. All the games last year where Jones wasn't in because of injury, it, it was significant. And now I think Oliver's great, but like they still need that other guy. Yeah, Jaquan Jones is the best defensive tackle they've had next to Ed Oliver since Ed Oliver's been drafted. Even before that, like Starla Tulele, I mean, he's wasn't he couldn't even stand in Daquan Jones's shadow compared to him. You know, like like he just wasn't but he, nearly Lutula as good. Might be better than the other options, Tim Settle and Puna Ford. Jordan Phillips, Puna Ford. Yeah, I mean, they're all they all have like roles and specialties, but I don't know if you know they can. They can match up. And then, yeah. like, that one game, you know, like, one, 
like last game, Oliver Jones and Milano are all out. Like that's the whole middle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's terrible. Yep. Here's here's an interesting. Well, I mean, um, Milano's hot... weak side, but yeah, I mean, like he's significant. He's a significant factor in it, right? Yeah. Somebody somebody on Twitter brought up a really good point: is that they lost their three ble- their three best players at each level. So I wouldn't necessarily say Daquan Jones was their best defensive lineman, but I mean, he was one of their best defensive tackles for sure, significantly in his role, right? Um, and then you have obviously Matt Milano. Matt Milano's better, the, their best linebacker at this point. He's been their, their best linebacker since he's been drafted. And then you have Tredavious White, who's their best cornerback. You know, I mean, obviously Benford doing well. I don't think he's at Tredavious White's level yet, but they lost their best players at each level. And I was like, that's a really good point. And Von Miller. Von Miller's not 100% back yet. Nope. Nope, you're right. So this is an interesting point. Mike, do you want to add anything to the Bengals conversation? So Philip Masterson writes, this game can be a roadmap to success offensively. 11 personnel with a short intermediate passes and up-tempo had us moving the ball at will the first half. I would have liked to see the tush push on fourth and one, but do you think they're hesitant because of Josh's shoulder? I did notice that they didn't do a whole lot of tush push. That is one of their favorite is one of their favorite plays on fourth and shorts. Um, I would not be surprised if that that was the reason why. I think Phillips onto something because th- up until recently they loved that play. Like that was their that was their fourth and fourth and one. You know, fourth and short bread and butter play was the tush push. I always they always talk about the Eagles doing it. I feel like the Bills have been doing it for longer since last season, but I guess I haven't been following the the Eagles well enough to know if they've been doing it for three seasons. I think the Eagles were probably one of the first teams to do it, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, just do it also. Do it also with your big quarterback. Whatever. Like, you know, yeah. when, what was the, what did the, what was the Wildcat? The Wildcat formation came back with Ronnie Brown and the Dolphins and then like other teams were doing it and it was working. And then after a year, then nobody was doing it because other teams caught on and you have to figure out something else, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Bill's loser QB club, right? Stay in 11 personnel. Let Josh run defensive discipline. No need for stupid penalties. Well, <laughs> Phillips face mask on fourth down extended Tampa Bay's drive and ultimate touchdown and put our team in the, in this last drive position. Need to fix this 10 days off to take last night's offense and perfect it. Yeah. I'm also assuming that, you know, we're going to, you know, uh, continue to get better and improve when really, you know, that's what I'm banking on. That's what we're hoping is this is a step in the right direction, but we don't know for sure. So thank you guys all for writing in your hot takes on Twitter. If you're not following us, um, uh, we're uh, at CTW pod on Twitter. Um, we're at CTW pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Um, let's see. Oh, let's do a quick giveaway. So if you're listening to this on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network, um, we also have another podcast feed, which is separate. It's just, if you, if you guys just want to listen to us and you know not get every single other podcast there, uh, we have our own podcast feed. So you can just search Circling the Wagons in any podcast site. And if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or if you leave us a five-star review and screenshot it on Spotify or anything like that on our, on our podcast platform, um, you are in the running for uh, a free T-shirt from our Public store. So uh, I'm going to... Pick one random person, and this person is Chelsea Chelsea U. That's Chelsea U. 
one of our favorite listeners from Hawaii, Chelsea, uh, you want a T public store. So just uh, email us ctwpodgmail.com or message us over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, and let us know that you heard this episode and we'll, uh, we'll get that uh, shirt out to you. So um, thank you guys all for listening. Any, any last thoughts before we end this one, John, Mike, do you want to guess the the spread on the Bills Bengals game? Yes, uh, it's in Cincy. Mike, do you want to go first on this one? I know this one. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Um, I think the Bills are going to be favored, uh, but it's not going to be by much. So the Bengals normally would get three points for it being at home. I say the Bills are favored by one. I feel like it's not three points for the home team anymore. I feel like it's closer to one or two. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, but you're still going to be wrong either way. <laughs> are the Bengals favored? Yeah. Or is it by a lot more? The Bills are favored by more. No, it's, it's cl- so close. It's, it's Cincy one and a half. Cincy one and a half. What do you like on that one? Well, I got to go with the Bills. Yeah, go with the Bills. <laughs> What's the, what? I just I just told you they're going to win out like five minutes ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's the bill? What are the Bills on the money line for that bet? Do you have that? Plus one hundred two. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that great. I was kind of hoping it would be like plus 120 or something. That's plus. That's good. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, a, that's a step up for the Bills. I like that one. I did. I, I I made a lot of money on prop bets for the Bills because, I mean, their offense did so well. Like I had a Dalton Kincaid anytime touchdown, a Dalton Kincaid over receptions, a Dalton Kincaid over um, his like receptions were three and a half. His uh, – Yards were thirty eight and a half or thirty six and a half. I'm just like, there's no Dawson Knox. Like he's going to get those four or five targets that Knox usually gets. Um, but he ended up going over on all of them. So those were easy bets. John, did you make any prop bets on that game? No, I actually didn't. Um, it's been a few weeks since I made any um, Bills bets, actually. But maybe next week. You want to hear one? I saw a Bills fan um, got a really good hit. A really good. Um, parlay i mean it was a good game for parlays if you do that let's see hold on all right here you go bryce bryce had uh josh allen over 259 passing yards dalton kincaid 40 plus yards receiving stefan Diggs 70 plus yards receiving james cook 50 plus yards rushing josh allen 25 plus yards rushing rashad white 25 plus yards rushing and gabriel davis 25 plus yards receiving he bet 35 dollars and guess how much he won your guess thirty five dollar. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bets. Thirty five dollars to win, and he got those all right, of course, because he won the. I don't know five hundred. Twenty five hundred dollars. So thirty five hundred dollars. Congratulations to Bryce out there. That was a great parlay. What was the total like plus? Uh, I didn't say that. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't say that on his screenshot. Stephon Diggs was the closest one. He just barely hit that one. He had 70-plus yards reception or receiving, and Diggs had 70 yards receiving. So that was the last one on the parlay. So cool. Congrats to him. Um, any final thoughts before we end this one? Just want to remind you guys. Oop, go ahead, John. No, no. No, you're good. Nice. <laughs> just a, just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by the Twin Spire Sportsbook at Delago. So thank you guys all for listening. Um, another great win. Let's hope by the time we're talking after next Sunday night's game against the Bengals, we're talking about the Bills being six and three. That sounds so much better um, than when the Bills were four and three. They're just further up the ladder. Um, and obviously a big game and in regards to AFC rankings in the playoffs. So uh, for John. 
Did uh, so like I, I didn't watch any games today. Did uh, how the rest of the AFC East do, or did they play? Oh, uh, the Jets. The Jets beat the Giants thirteen to ten, so that stunk. Um, and then the 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 Patriots played the the Dolphins, and the Patriots lost. The Dolphins won, so the Bills are still one game behind the Dolphins. Uh, they're one game behind being the best team in the AFC East. At half a then, game, half a game behind the Dolphins because they beat the Dolphins. Oh yeah, yeah, good good point. Good point. If they're tied with the Dolphins, they have the tiebreaker, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the Chiefs lost today, which is another big... Are you talking to AFC? The Chiefs losing today was was probably one of the bigger ones. The Browns lost today to the Seahawks, which was uh, good for us. Ravens are... Um, the Jaguars, unfortunately. Yeah, the Jaguars, I'm surprised they're... At, I, well, I'm not surprised that they're good, but I'm surprised they're... Was it really still? They're in a worst division in the AFC, probably, so... That helps them, but the the Ravens I knew were going to be good. But like you look at the AFC North, every single team is a winning record. Oh wow! Even the Steelers, Steelers, the Browns, the Browns, Bengals—they're all yeah, they're all they all have a winning record. Every single team. And the, the only, only thing that we can hope is that they'll all just keep beating each other up. Yeah, I, but I mean, even the AFC East though, like only the Patriots have a losing record. Everybody else has a winning record. So very similar. I'd say those are the two toughest divisions in the NFL by far, the AFC East and the AFC North. In the whole NFL, or just the AFC? In the uh, whole maybe NFL. The whole, maybe the whole NFL. The NFC South might be tough just because they're all at the same level. In the NFC South, there's no there's no team that has a winning record. <laughs> right, but like it might be tough for them just because they're all on the same level, right? <laughs> Oh, tough for them. Yeah, they're not one of the best divisions. I mean, the NFC East, I mean, there's two two teams with a winning record, only one in the NFC North, and that's the Lions, none in the NFC South, and, and two in the NFC West. Actually, the Seahawks take over the, the lead in the NFC West now that the 49ers yeah. lost. So, How crazy is it that the Packers and the Bears are tied? That's crazy. That's crazy. Both two and five. Yeesh. And, we, and Kirk Cousins might be out for the season. So you have like the third best second or third or fourth best quarterback gone from the NFC. And Jefferson's on IR. Yeah. So signing off for John. <laughs> Go Bills. This is the year. They're going to win the Super Bowl, and nobody can tell me any different. <laughs> Unless John, in exactly a week from now, future John from in a week from now, <laughs> quote this quote this podcast. Uh, Mike, for Mike. Go Bills. Looking forward to Sunday night. And for me, Nate, as long as we adjust our expectations, we'll all be much happier for the rest of the season. Go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys after the Bills-Bengals game.
Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. Um, well, listen, I, the whole show is called Circling the Wagons. Say no more. I love it. <laughs>